Welcome to Running Is Bullshit. I'm not Amy. And I am Stuart. And you're listening to the podcast that loves to hate running. Uh, Amy was unavailable at very short notice. So fan favourite of the podcast, Holly SBC Caller is sitting in. Thank you very much. Woo. It's just because I live with you and you have no other options. That was, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you're, you're lucky you're sitting in on this one because there is a lot going on. We're going to be talking about the London Marathon, coronavirus, of course, the World Half Marathon Championship, Weird Trainers, Filthy Puns, and the Bullshit Running News. Uh, you're going to have to sing the theme tune for that, so have no. a little think about it now. No, no, you can do it. No, no, no. Before we get into all of that, um, Holly, what's your bullshit this week? What have you been up to? I did a race today. Hooray, well done. Yay. Already listeners are confused. <laughs> a race? Running has happened from the female presenter? This is bizarre. <laughs> um, yeah, a 10k race. It was my first ever race five years ago, so I thought I'd go back and give it another go. Uh, well, I remember you when you were on the guest on the podcast back uh, last year, you did speak about that. It was your first ever run outside, and it was the race you finished third in, in 45 minutes in 10k, which is pretty good. Yeah. And how did you get on? Well... The first time I did it, it was completely awful. So I thought I'd come back today and it would be great. I'd find it really easy because I'm much fitter. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. No, it was just bullshit. It was still bullshit. (laughs) It was awful. The whole thing was awful. Two minutes quicker. That's That's what five years got me. Yeah, it was all right. It was very hilly. There was a headwind. It finishes uphill. Um, But it's a nice local race. It was nice to be back. Well, they say it never gets easy. You just get quicker. Yeah, no, it doesn't get easy. I was, yeah, I was swearing first kilometre. No, it was awful. Well done. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> How about you? Uh, I ran 19 miles this morning. It's supposed to be 20, but, you know, whatever. It just ended up being 19. Um, it was all right, actually. I, I didn't hate it as much as I expected. You only hate the ones with me. Yeah. Yeah, that is a pattern there, isn't there? Well, I ran with a couple other people. We got the train up the valley and just ran back. And as it turns out, I was, the, bizarrely, the least injured of the three. And they ended up... Um, having to bail out early and so as the good friend I am I ditched them and let them walk two miles back to the train station and I just carried on and actually yeah it felt really good actually I was surprised I, I didn't get into that you know the last few miles of a long run you get into that kind of death trudge mode oh, where it's just plod 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 I actually kind of didn't quite get into that it was you know it was slow towards the end but I still felt I was a bit more in control and enjoying it so that was pretty good actually it's positive it's positive and uh, my other kind of bit of news from the last few weeks is I've become a watch wanker at last I've for so long I've resisted and I've just used my phone to track but I got a heart rate monitor and I was having such trouble with apps because Strava just don't support heart rate monitors anymore so I tried with Endomundo but if you transfer Endomundo to Strava it just fucks up your data completely and gives you completely wrong things the app that comes with the heart rate monitor just didn't work it just kept cutting out and luckily one of my friends just said right I'm selling a watch for 30 quid so I thought decent price I'll pick that up but now I've got a bloody watch and the problem is it works fine and everything but the problem is I'm looking at it and I don't like doing that and so I think if I ever cut around to doing some kind of fast run at some point I'm just going to have the watch and just put it in my pocket because I don't want to look at it I don't want to know how fast I'm running I don't want to know what my kilometre splits are I just want to run and just get it done with and not stress and not do maths that's the worst possible thing you can do no I never look at my watch I rarely wear a watch to be honest I know it's infuriating (laughs) I wore a watch today thank you didn't look at it good for you well done do you want to talk about your um, chafing Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, I do appreciate that. Um, I was worried there'd be nipple chafing today, but because I had my backpack on, that kind of covered me nicely. So that was pretty good because it got rained and hailed on. Um, but my lower back, I think, I think my bag must leak because my lower back is always just soaking wet, and I don't think it's just sweat. I think it's my bag leaking. 
And so because that's soaking wet, my t-shirt and my shorts rub against my lower back and all my lower back is nicely blistered now, which I didn't know until I got in the shower. Nice. And all that hot water and salty sweat pouring down my back. I was probably shouting and swearing in the shower today. It was awful. <laughs> and I've got a nice big um, rub on my toe as well. So I'm going to have to start oh. taping my toes up. And my shoes are on their completely, I was going to say last legs, but I'm not sure if that works for shoes. They're on their last soles. Yeah, fine. Is it as um, good as my toe from last week? It's not as good as your toe no. from last week. You had a disgusting toe last it week. It bled through the trainer. It's good. No. Oh, that's always good. There's still a blood stain on my trainer. <laughs> <laughs> this is why you're on. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, right, from last episode, we had a few messages. First of all, we had Chris Whitmore. He said, I listened on my way to work this morning. The interview with Sharon was one of the most engaging and entertaining interviews I think I've ever heard. Even got me wondering if maybe High Jump isn't actually bullshit at all. Brackets, notes, it is, close brackets. Yeah, it definitely is. High Jump is a bizarre thing. I don't understand. I don't understand it at all, no. to be honest. <laughs> but Sharon was a great guest. I knew she'd be kind of really easy and, you know, we could just because I go for sports massages with her and she just talks to me about Harry Potter for an hour. So I knew she'd have no problem uh, complaining about athletics and running. At JMC82, listening to the latest running is BS in the office since my shins are total bullshit for the next month. Amy said, everyone's shits and now I have alternative lyrics to R.E.M.'s Everybody Hurts in my head. Hard to explain to my colleagues why I'm laughing. Everyone shits. It's going to be on our heads now as well. Absolutely. Jay, if you want to record that and send it in, we'd very much appreciate it. <laughs> Robert Scott Norton on Facebook says, That's my afternoon sorted. My non-runner wife also loves your podcast. To be honest, I think it's the sweary banter she likes the most. Which, I don't know what else there is to like. I don't. It's not the running knowledge, it's not the experience or the tips. It's, it's basically an hour of sweary banter, so that's good. I'll mm-hmm. take that. So as we've said, a lot has happened in the last two weeks. There's a whole load of things to uh, pack into this. So we'll have to try and tackle it in order because some things kind of later contradict the first things. Okay, so first off, there is amazing news from the London Marathon, as you may have seen. But we're going to let Liz Ayres, our previous guest, tell you all about it. So following up from last year, we're speaking to Liz Ayres and... uh, we're going to kind of ignore the speculation of London Marathon not going ahead for now. Uh, we're just going to focus on what we do know, which is some great news from last week about the London Marathon and the way it's going to change. So, Liz, we just wanted to hear it really from your words. What is going to change for next year? Uh, well, what isn't going to change um, it is a better question. 9.30 start, which means that we actually get breakfast at a normal time with less hanging around in the pens. That will then hopefully give everybody a good chance of getting from start to finish within the cutoff uh, with nobody left behind. So going for their cutoff, um, that's still going to remain the same. They're not going to be enforcing it like some marathons where they pull up all the mats and you can't cross the line. Uh, You'll still be able to cross, but they'll have eight-hour pace tail walkers approximately 50 of them uh to be right at the back and help anybody that needs that additional support and right behind them will be a dj party bus which i am totally (laughs) jealous about because i can't compete with a party bus i've got a little portable speaker i can't compete with a bus uh so it's a he will or she will be a wall between the eight-hour tail walkers and the cleanup crew who will be starting later 
And, and that's the best thing about all of this is London Marathon have been able to negotiate with the boroughs to uh, extend the uh, road closures. So there's not so much of a rush for those. If anybody does fall behind the eight hour tail walkers, which is, is not really going to happen, I can't anticipate that happening, they will be assigned their own tail walker who will walk with them on pavements uh, through to the finish. Anybody that's under eight hours will get timing maps throughout the whole course, photographers throughout the whole course, uh, aid stations open throughout the whole course. So they will get the same experience as those at 2.30, three hours, five hours. What else? I know, there was just so much going on. Um. <laughs> there was, yeah, as we kind of read down the bullet points, there just seemed to be more and more. For those doing eight hours, getting the timing mats and the aid stations and the finish with the medal and all that, that seemed to be like the bare minimum. That was kind of the least of what we expected that should happen because they've paid the same amount and they've done the same amount as everyone else. But this whole idea of 50 tail walkers with those being assigned to anyone that drops behind and a party bus is just, it's kind of ridiculous. No, it's, it is good. It's, it's a brilliant idea because when I yeah. paced Oxford half two years ago, I was actually brought in with a brass band uh, playing <laughs> the sexy thing. Um, and I did bring that up at the working group meeting that we had back in November, um, that Oxford half really make a big deal about their last finishes. Then we have Rotterdam and their big fireworks and celebrations. Yes, I love that. Uh, so the, the last runners really should be celebrated because they've been out there for so long and worked so hard. Um, so I wasn't expecting for all of our ideas to be taken seriously. Um, and everything we have asked for, or, or we said, well, wouldn't it be a great idea? We've actually got, the only thing they turned us down on was savoury snacks towards the uh, later miles of the of the okay. course. Um, and, and that was down to sustainability and environmental cleanup. Because mm-hmm. so, we weren't allowed to have sausage rolls or cocktail sausages or anything. But it was, it was literally just the litter. So we can't really complain over that. Ah, yes. And uh, any of those that were identified on the... BLM database, registration database, you said that they would possibly uh, be a 7.45 finish and maybe a bit later, they get to move up between um, waves two and three. So there's only about 30 of them that were identified on the system. And I think it's literally only a handful that have taken up on that. Some of them were kind of put off by comments that were made by other runners who thought that they were more of a real runner than the back Mm -hmm. of the pack and all that everybody did to fear. But it means that those who are on the slower end, they don't have to worry now about falling behind the tail They don't have to worry about missing out on the whole big party that London Marathon have put on. Yeah. They, they'll get to experience what we all would at four, five, six hours. And then they also get to experience that too. So it's a win-win for everybody, really. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a massive win for well London Marathon as well. It's a great kind of bit of PR for them but it works out for everyone I think what you're saying about the runners over 745 starting that means really they start a little further forward which I can see how some people would think that is possibly an issue but I said there's only a handful only about 30 or so people and I imagine at any stage of a marathon you're always being overtaken and you're always overtaking someone else and this kind of isn't that different no, not really. And then you've always got the one who lie about their times because they don't want to be in pen six where they yeah. know where they should be. They want to be in three so they don't have to wait around so long. So they can knock half an hour, 45 minutes of their time. 
And next thing you know, they're walking at mile three um, because they, you know, they can't sustain that pace for, for waves three, four and five. Yeah. So it isn't much different from that, except these guys are actually being honest to get yeah. the move up as opposed to lying through their front teeth and, and, and moving pens up. And I imagine there's more than 30 of those uh, happen yeah, every year anyway. Yeah. So I take it from the reaction that you're obviously very, very pleased about this and London Marathon have gone over and above what you expected them to do. Absolutely. When we went into the working group, we thought it would be just the basics, the timing mats, the photographers, and we thought that we might have to push for those because the marathon's been going on for so many years. If it wasn't problematic to have the timing mats and the photographers down, uh, for, for eight hours, then why weren't they down for eight hours previously? So we thought we might have a bit of a fight. Um, but when we went in there and like, yeah, you know, it'd be nice for this and nice for this. And on top of that, Cherry, can we have? And and it was actually the London Marathon team that were actually coming up and saying, well, how about we do this? How about we do that? And it's like, yeah, now you're talking my language. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really, really happy that they took it seriously that they're trying to give that same experience for those at the back, those in the middle and those at the front, although those at the front don't really pay much attention to it. Um, so, so everybody should get a good day. I mean, the experience is not always going to be the same. It, it never is, where, regardless of where you are in the pack. But it should be a good day for everybody. So you can go home afterwards absolutely knackered and go, yeah, it was brilliant. It was the best day. Not like last year where everybody was like, that was absolute shit. I don't want to do that again. Um, and, and unfortunately, over 200 people who were offered a guaranteed place turned around and said, shit, I'm not doing it. I'm, mm. You know, I'm not taking a risk. A bit gutting now because obviously it's a party. So what's your plan for the race? Are you pacing again? They asked me to pace. Can you believe that? <laughs> <laughs> I was a bit surprised. I thought I was still on the naughty step. Um but yes, I'm going to pace again for seven and a half hours like I did last year. Okay. Um, one, because obviously I know the role. And two, there was a bit of a statistic anomaly for seven and a half um, hours being put down for projected times on, on applications. So it seems like I might have a few people partying with me on the Excellent. day. Yeah, um, and oh, that's another thing. There's so many things that's gone on. Yep. Uh, myself and the other seven and a half hour pace of Jay, we spoke to London Marathon after these changes have been announced to say that there's a bit of a gap in between paces that some runners could fall into a gap and be unsupported. So for the first year ever, last year it was the first time ever for seven hours plus, this year they are adding 7.15 and 7.45 paces as well. Wow. So we should be able to give everybody an amazing day. Liz, that is all fantastic. Well done to you and everyone else in the working group and all those people that fed back to London Marathon. You've obviously done a fantastic job for them to listen to you and do so much. Uh, good luck with the race and we look forward to hearing from you afterwards. Fabulous. Thank you. Thank you. So that all sounds pretty damn good they got everything they wanted even though they didn't really expect to get a lot of those things yeah it sounds great sounds like london marathons listened in fact they've not even just listened they've really gone and done more than they needed to and to have a party bus at the back it's going to be amazing i'm really looking forward to watching that on tv and i'm going to watch it all the way to the end to see that come in 
Yeah, they're going to have a good finish, hopefully. It's going to be an amazing finish. Because yeah. you've seen like the Rotterdam half marathon finish. I love that clip, yeah. It's amazing. such a, If anyone hasn't seen it, you have to look. Just look up like, Rotterdam half marathon finish or something like that. <clears throat> and it's it's just amazing. The the amount of effort they put into it is just incredible. It's like you, you want to finish last in that race. Yeah, there's a massive crowd cheering her on. Music, amazing. So yeah, can't wait to hear more about the London Marathon. Next, uh, we've kind of talked about the World Half Marathon Championship. So in a few weeks' time, we're both travelling out uh, with friends to run the championships in Gdansk, Poland. And I was pretty excited to be exploring somewhere fairly nearby, but new to me, and pretty cheap as well. However, someone posted a story on Twitter that I just happened to see uh, from Pink News that read... Nearly 100 Polish municipal or local governments have now proclaimed themselves to be free from LGBTI ideology. Local authorities in these areas pledge to refrain from acts that encourage tolerance and must avoid providing financial assistance to NGOs working to promote equal rights. I'm just like... (laughs) What? They must refrain from acts that encourage tolerance? Activists have created this interactive map called the Atlas of Hate, which shows the actions being taken in Poland. Um, They range from all kinds of things. It's kind of similar to Section 28 in the UK. And Gdansk isn't actually one of the areas, luckily, but similar laws are currently being lobbied for. So they are trying to bring in these laws. So they're not just passing these laws. All of these kind of municipalities, local governments have got together and like signed a pledge to say they will continue doing this and declare themselves LGBT free zones. And I just, I just, it's made me kind of second guess whether, whether we should be going really, because I've kind of got in my head this shit list of countries that I wouldn't go to because of things like this. And, you know, I guess we're only a few weeks away now and uh, Gdansk isn't directly affected, but it has made me um, think twice about it a little bit. So my first thought was, well, there you go, that's my headwear sorted out that's my rainbow headband and it's my club t-shirt we have an alternative version with a rainbow logo i thought definitely want to wear those it seems like you know it's not exactly revolutionary but it's this this small act i can do to show some support it seems like the least i can do however i then kept reading because i was looking at oh perhaps there's something in the city perhaps there's like an lgbt museum or a bar that we can go to Um, and as i was searching for things i saw a news story from january last year The mayor of Gdansk, who was uh, quite liberal and supported sex education and LGBT tolerance, was stabbed to death. And I just thought, fucking hell, now I don't I don't feel that safe. And it's just what a strange thing for me to not feel safe wearing something rainbow in a city in Europe. It just it's yeah, that's really kind of conflicted me about this. Yeah, it's just mad, isn't it? Somewhere so close. I know Poland had its problems, but I didn't realise it was kind of quite as legislative as it is. Like They really are making an effort to not tolerate people. But as it turns out, the race itself has actually been postponed because of coronavirus, because it's a big international race, people travelling from all over. We're still going to go. But I did think, you know, if I'm wearing a rainbow headband in a big crowd of a race, probably be safe. Now, just running with a small group of people, probably not safe. Well, even if I am, I don't want to risk it. It's not worth the risk, no. So, yeah, it's, um, it's been really shitty kind of thinking about that and realising that's a place that I'm going and, you know, supporting by going there and spending money there, which I'm not, I don't really like that much. But the comms haven't been great on it. I mean, the way I found out the race was postponed till October was the Facebook event changed its time. 
Um, so, so not the ideal way to find out. The email came through a few hours later. Have I you, still haven't had the email. You haven't no. even had it yet. I haven't had a single email from them. <sighs> yeah, and my not, name is on the start list. Yeah, it's not the best comms, is it? No. From this race. It's a big like, world athletics thing. Um, so we're still going. It looks like a nice place. But that will just, I think, be in the back of our minds the whole time. And if there is anything there that we can do, as I said, if we can visit somewhere that's kind of friendly, then I think that would be a good idea. I think in future, yeah. Do a bit more research before... Yeah, because I, yeah, I think Eastern Europe looks nice and the races I was looking at were in Eastern Europe. But of course, that's where you run into these kind of issues. And you think, oh, we'll go somewhere we don't know much about. Yeah. And then, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, this is one of the things we don't know much about, unfortunately. So continuing on from that, in terms of race cancellations, um, the ones I've seen so far, the big ones, Rome Marathon, the Paris Marathon and the Barcelona Marathon. And also, weirdly, the other week, the Paris Half Marathon was cancelled with like a day's notice so people had already been to the expo they'd already traveled to the city but then i think it was a, a city-wide thing to say all big sporting events are being shut down and so they had to cancel while everyone was already there which is really strange but i guess they didn't have much choice but i've seen other people say football matches are still going on there are other big gatherings happening in other sporting events so it's a little inconsistent at the moment but at the end of the day, if your race is postponed because of a pandemic outbreak, I mean, you can't complain, surely. No, it's disappointing, but it's understandable, isn't it? Within minutes on Facebook, and there were people demanding their money back for their accommodation and their flights. And I'm like, just, you're not going to get it. I'm pretty sure it's in the terms and conditions that no one reads. It'll yeah. be in there somewhere that they're not going to get it back. The terms and conditions probably say we can cancel it up to the minute before the race for any reason that we like yeah and when they're being told by regional governments that they have to cancel it you know you can't do anything about it they're not going to refund your accommodation get over yourselves which leads us on again surely london marathon is next Mm. is it gonna go on do we think i hope so yeah it would be disappointing again disappointing but if it doesn't it doesn't and there's a good reason for it yeah, well, we found this from The Guardian, who said, um, well, fears that runners would try to run the London Marathon, even if the event were cancelled because of the coronavirus, have led organisers and other public bodies involved to conclude it should go ahead unless the crisis caused by the illness becomes acute. So they're so worried by basically running vigilantes blocking the streets, if they cancel it, they want to go ahead with it, which is such a fucking stupid reason. I don't mean from them, because they're kind of being forced into this, but they're so worried that runners are so fucking arrogant and like, no, I'm going to run the race. I've done my good for age. I've paid my money. I'm going to run on the streets. Yeah, it's totally something runners would do. Unfortunately, it really is. We said about Gdansk, didn't we? We'd hopefully go out on Sunday and and have a run, but not join any groups that might be. Yeah, someone mentioned there was uh, some groups talking about doing it, but I do worry there's potentially people that are like, we're going to run the route, which are going to be, you know, on roads that aren't closed. And there might possibly be some of those people. So I think we'll keep it in a small group. Yeah, definitely. But for London, to they're having to change their plans and actually potentially risk people if there is a bit of an outbreak in London, which... London's only going to get worse. It's going to be the worst place in the UK for it, undoubtedly. To take more of a risk because they know runners might fuck about is just stupid. Yeah, just runners trying to make a point when there's no need to. Yeah, and this article said a similar thing happened in Central Park in 2012. The race was cancelled because of a, a hurricane. But people just went and ran anyway. But at least that was in Central Park and fairly contained. Mm. Um, There's another nice thing that's happened is that the Brighton Marathon have offered to take in Rome or Paris runners. I think it's probably just UK based ones. Um, But they've put a message out saying if you're supposed to be running Rome or Paris, 
drop us an email and we'll see what we can do. So that's nice of them. That is nice. When is the Brighton Marathon? Mm, similar time? Yeah, I think it's around a similar time. Uh, I didn't really check. Um, but yeah, it's a good bit of PR for them. It's win-win. They can probably fit in another 50, 100 people or something and it looks really good for them. So that, that's nice of them. So before we get on to your messages, we want to thank our fab Patreon donors. And these guys have given us $5. Promisingly talented Maria Blythe. The evocative and shatterproof Nikki Genders. The highly recommended virile Hugh Phillips. The amusing and unflagging Jay. The instinctively trustworthy Matt Lees. The quirky and impish Matt Garner. The relentlessly down-to-earth Rob Smith. The moral, yet saucy, Kirk Shepard. <laughs> the affluent and self-aware Simon Ross. And the flexible and effervescent Clark Gilmore. Thank you, everyone, for giving us money. <laughs> so on Facebook, we asked for your bullshit, and you duly obliged us, as always. First up is Robert Schedule. He says, not fully recovered from a quad injury, so a sensible DNF at the Anglesey Half Marathon on Sunday. DNFs are definitely bullshit. Mm. And it led me to think then, what is worse, a DNF or a DNS? DNF, I think. Yeah? Yeah. I think DNS, at least you can say I was sensible and Uh, I was smart, but... It's disappointing, but, you know, you're being sensible exactly and you can go and enjoy the day anyway, go and support... DNF and you kind of have to make your way back it depends where you DNF doesn't oh, it yeah, on a half marathon that could yeah. be a long way out and also if you've done that you've potentially really hurt yourself as yeah. well so that's probably a lot more annoying it's yeah. like all these people that have told us before they did nine miles on a torn muscle and things like that just, no don't do that just DNF um, Sarah Coe training for a marathon getting injured and having to defer mm. it was such fun training in the cold wind and rain for hours for nothing yeah yeah after all that training i see a lot of people again saying about london marathon they're worried it's going to be cancelled and so they they think their training's going for nothing i kind of don't like that in a way your training is still for something yeah you're getting fitter it will help in the long run as well Yeah, you surely yeah. must have enjoyed it at some point and you know there's there's other races coming up you'll be fitter later in the year it'll be it'll be fine, it'll be fine. <laughs> peter galvin said doing a 10 mile event with lake-sized puddles wasn't last still no medal or t-shirt organizer blames supplier although then admits not actually checking the delivery uh, eye roll emoji defo bs that deserves an eye roll emoji I it think. really does yeah. yeah it's a perfect emoji <laughs> no medal or t-shirt and you blame the supplier but oh actually no it's, it's just because we haven't checked so what is that it then is he going to get the medal or t-shirt well, you're doing an Amy now. You want the follow-up. I do, yeah. You want the full story. <laughs> I get what she means. <laughs> I, need, I need all the follow-ups. Get back to us, Peter. Simon Hughes. Motivation or lack of is utter bullshit. Big events coming up shortly and nothing but a severe lack of motivation kicking me in the balls on a daily basis. Blah. Vomity emoji. Yeah, that's a shame. But I don't know. When you've got that lack of motivation as talked about before, you've got to force yourself. You've just got to force yourself out the door, even if it's just for a 10 minute or something like that. You'll probably get into it once you're out there. Yeah, I mean, I'm never motivated for anything, though. No. So I never really understand these. I just go out and run. You just like getting into the routine of it. Yeah. I was thinking today, I, we, well, I never do tempo runs or really look at my runs no. or anything. Speed sessions. No. <laughs> but the thing is, once you're out there, you do enjoy it. Oh yeah, I do. I like running. I like exploring. Yeah, you've just but, got you just got to force yourself to get out, and even if it's just ten fifteen minutes, you'll probably stay out a bit longer once you've started. Maybe go running somewhere new, see it as more of an adventure. Yeah, we believe in you, Simon. Yeah, we you do. Can do it. 
Rach K says, unavoidable, absolutely enormous puddles after Dennis and Jorge ruined South Wales. Got a blister from soaked feet slash soaked socks. BS. It's been a lot of puddles around. Lots of puddles. Yeah. It, it seems to be a pastime of people in South Wales now is walking around and pointing at where water used to be. There's a lot of that going on. <laughs> or just pointing at the river. There's a lot of just pointing at the river yeah, going on. Yeah, pointing at the river and shaking their head going, oh, yeah. oh, oh, oh. Hands on oh. hips. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah there's, a, there's still a lot of floods uh, where I ran today. A lot of the paths have just been torn up completely and a lot of just standing water on a lot of the path because it's just in horrible condition now. Mm. I like running through a puddle though. Yeah. It's fun. But not when you've got like eight, 15 miles to go, it's not. No, and not when you've got a blister, that's grim. It's not ideal. Yeah, no. Okay. Katie Grant, race organisers making you stand in starting pens for 45 minutes minimum before a race starts in this weather. Bullshit. Oh, I hate starting pens. Oh, God. 45 minutes? No. When they say you have to be in there by then, In why? this weather as well. Oh. Why do you have to? No. And then you need the toilet again. No. Oh, God. Well, that actually, if you remember for the half marathon championships in Gdansk, that was one of the uh, contingencies they had. Because so before, a few weeks before, they had some plans. They were going to take everyone's temperature before they went into the expo to check they didn't have a fever. Yeah. And the other one was they would only let you in the pen 15 minutes before your wave started, which I thought was brilliant. Amazing. Yeah, so it can be done. Yeah. But then I thought, isn't everyone just going to be standing outside the pen <laughs> yeah. for 45 minutes before? <laughs> so I guess they, they can't be blamed then. That's the main thing. <laughs> Steph Hall said, like Amy, I'm a sleeve snotter. Nice. The other day, the wind somehow caught my bogey and it went in my <laughs> eye. All bogeys are bullshit. <laughs> what? <laughs> How did... <laughs> I'm trying to picture it and I just can't. <laughs> How big was the bogey? Was it just like hanging out a couple of inches out of her nose and then the wind caught it and whipped it in there? Was or... it like a solid one or is it just snot? I... Oh, I... A lot of questions. I don't want to know the answers. I do. Um, how are you with snot? What's your what's your solution? I run. Oh no, I'm with Amy. You just wipe, just wipe it, anywhere. it anywhere. Yeah, anywhere. <laughs> what have you got? God. I've used my hair before. What's what? What? <laughs> You've used your hair before yeah. intentionally. Yeah. When my hair was a lot longer, you're gonna wash your hair anyway. It's all right. <laughs> God. I'm I just, you. You're not gross enough. That's your problem. Really? Yeah. Is that my problem? That is. That is my problem. <laughs> I'm going to move on. Thanks to Mark Atkinson, who flagged up the new Hoka shoe. If anyone's seen these, they are hilarious. First of all, I've only just learned, you know, Hoka 1-1. It's not 1-1. It's One One. Um... I never no, knew that I till now. Didn't, I didn't even know it was Hoka One One, to be honest. Well, there's a local race <laughs> called the Hoka the Hoka One One Trail Half Marathon or something. Okay. And I had no idea. And it's One One. So one One. I'm still going to say One One because it's funny. So the new Ten Nine Shoe, as it's called, it's described as the largest on the market and has a really distinctive protrusion at the back. Basically, the heel sticks out like one and a half, two inches, and it's really wide as well. Um, we tweeted this. For a cheap laugh, because the photo, it just is hilarious. Everyone looks at it and just doesn't get it. But to be fair, it is actually a very specialised shoe. And it's specifically for downhill running, which is its own niche event, apparently. Oh, it is an event? Yeah, like downhill oh, right. running is a thing. Because I, I, that's what I was going to ask. So I was just like, when do people just run downhill on a road? Yeah, I As think, a thing? No, I think it's just like a, a trail thing. I don't think it's that huge, but I think Hoka have just expanded so much. They've gone, fuck it, let's just... Are they trail shoes? They don't look very traily. I don't know. But apparently downhill running is a thing and this is the perfect shoe. And I, someone did tweet some prototype photos of 
other versions of this and god they are strange there's like <laughs> there's like a, a bit sticking out of the front they've made them extra wide they've got different bits at the back like flaring out all kinds of things but apparently this is if you're going to be running downhill this is what you want uh, we also had some fun on twitter with this which what we're calling whose run is it anyway the feature where everything's made up and your watch time doesn't matter it's time for scenes from a hat and we asked for examples of things you can say about running but not about your partner in at number 10 i finish really quickly do i get a trophy no number nine <laughs> i've entered as both number eight that felt like a really good session but i'm just gonna go and have a look at the data <laughs> I bet people have done that. <laughs> Seven. That was great, but so hard. How do you feel about entering it again next year? <laughs> Number six. I can't believe how wet it was. I was slipping around everywhere. <laughs> Five. I like to have two pairs on the go and alternate between them. Four. I've just accepted the fact this will make my nipples bleed. <laughs> uh, the top three. Number three. Victoria Dick. You might not feel like doing it, but I promise you you'll feel better once you've finished. Number two, Robert Smith. I pay way too much for this, considering I can do it for free in a park. <laughs> You're a bad man. <laughs> and number one, the best thing you can say about running but not about your partner is Angela Foster Swales, party at the back. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm not at all surprised that turned to filth almost immediately. <laughs> we love it. Absolutely love it. Um... Before we get on to the bullshit running news, don't forget you can purchase your snazzy Running Is BS t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, bags, and just loads of other crap at our merch shop. Just have a search for Running Is BS Spreadshirt, and you can grab all kinds of great merch. <laughs> okay, I'm going to do like a tribute to Amy. Oh, okay. Well, whenever I think... It's in my head quite a lot, so okay. Bullshit, 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 running news. Uh, you've gone for the non-musical theme of Amy Bender's there. <laughs> little nod to you there, Amy. Yes. I'm a big fan of Amy. I hope you're proud of me, Amy. A runner who broke his leg on a trail run crawled across snow, rock and ice for more than 10 hours before being rescued. Joseph Oldendorf, 26, was running in the Olympic National Forest in Washington State, US, when he slipped on ice at about 5.45 on Friday, February 21st. The fall broke his tibia, which became detached from his ankle. Oh. <laughs> Take a breath. Yeah, I like all these stories. There's always me in the background going... <laughs> Unable to walk and with no mobile phone signal, Oldendorf began to crawl back along the trail on his hands and knees. He was wearing only his running kit, shorts, a top and a light jacket and temperatures soon fell well below zero. It took seven hours to get phone signal and another three hours to be found at 4am. Oh, yeah, once he got that phone signal at seven hours, he knew it was going to take ages to, for people to get to him and he knew it was getting cold. So he thought, I might as well just carry on crawling just to stay warm. Oh my God. His tibia became detached from his ankle. That's not right. That's not supposed to be oh, like that. That's horrendous. <laughs> but that is hardcore. So that's just another little thing to remember when you're out on the trails, folks. <laughs> don't get bugs in your eyes because you get worms in your eyes. <laughs> and don't fall over and detach your tibia from your ankle. God. <laughs> mm. Next up, German Florian Neuschwander has broken the 50k world record on a treadmill, breaking the previous record, which was set just six weeks earlier by Mario Mendoza and setting a time of two hours, 57 minutes and three seconds. Ooh. The overall 50k world record is two hours, 43 minutes and 38 
seconds set 30 years ago. Yeah, it's kind of odd that. It's the 50k world record is 30 years old. And yeah. I actually found it quite difficult to find what the record was online because it's not kind of a standard distance for some reason. Do many people attempt it? Well, apparently not, I guess. I, it, it was odd, though, because there was like the 20,000 metre world record and the 30,000 metre world record were kind of well documented because I think they're kind of track events and I think they're a lot more history back in like the 50s and 60s that used to be a thing. Yeah. But yeah, it's going around 50k on a treadmill in 257. I mean, that's pretty quick. I'm always kind of surprised, though. Treadmill records aren't quicker than they are because treadmill records are always slower than road records. And I would, in a way, expect they could be quicker because you could just set the treadmill to the exact pace that you need. Yeah, but whenever I run on the treadmill, I always run slower whenever yeah. I have run. And people have said the same, is that their times are always slower on the treadmill for whatever reason. Yeah, and like the marathon... Uh, record on the treadmill is a lot slower than the actual road marathon one. I mean, yeah, I just find that a little odd. I guess it's a very different thing, though, isn't it? Running on a treadmill because you're not mm. really running; it's just dragging your feet backwards, and you have to throw them back forwards again. <laughs> you're still running. Yeah. Well, sort of, because it, it's, it's the ground moving, not you moving. So it's a bit odd. I mean, you're the treadmill expert here. As yeah. People do remember on oh, no, just that haunted look on your face as I say that. <laughs> Don't remind me. We uh, talked all about on uh, your guest appearance here how you ran for a treadmill for 24 hours. You mm-hmm. ran 140k on a treadmill. I did, yeah. You don't fancy going for a world record? No. 50k? It's only 50k. I don't think I've been on a treadmill since, actually. Probably not, no. So the big story from the US Olympic marathon trials was Molly Seidel, who was slightly unfairly reported as the barista who ran her first ever marathon and qualified for the Olympics. And now while that is technically true, she is also a four-time national college level champion, so she's pretty good over various distances. Now, unfortunately, during this success, um, when she was a four-times champion, Molly was actually suffering with depression, an obsessive compulsive disorder that manifested itself in disordered eating. So after she won at 3K, 5K and 10,000 metres, she took the difficult decision to turn down sponsorship deals to quietly enter treatment. That was four years ago and she's recently been coming back and she ran a 70 minute half to qualify. And at the American Olympic trials, which was a huge event, there was more women than men. It was like 500 women running in this and really massive names as well. She ran 2.27 in her first ever marathon to qualify for the Olympics. And she even, like, stopped to high-five her sister at mile seven. Well, she didn't quite (laughs) stop, but high-fived her sister at mile seven. And when have you seen an elite runner high-five anyone? That's (laughs) amazing. It is good, yeah. I like that. But, yeah, can you imagine when you're kind of that good and that young to have make that really difficult decision, you know, if Nike or whoever are throwing a big bag full of money at you, to say, no, actually, my health has to come first. That must have been really tough for her. Yeah, that's a hard decision. But the right one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and it's just another one of these stories that we keep coming across. You know, on her, on its own, her running her first marathon, 227, qualifying for the Olympics, is brilliant. But then I kind of read more into it. And here's someone else who's been through this thing and just shows how common it is. And again, she found out how bad it was for her when she started getting all these stress fractures. So hopefully, if the Olympics do actually go ahead, uh, Molly's going to be there, and hopefully she'll run another marathon in the meantime to get a bit of experience. I think what helped on this one, apparently it was a really tough course, and because she'd come from a lot of cross-country running and running really hard courses, it just really suited her. So I think she could drop everyone else who was perhaps used to being in a, a bit better conditions. And so, yeah, the course just suited her down to the ground in her first marathon in 227. <laughs> 
It's all right, isn't it? It's not bad. I take that. And next up, we've got a bonus interview with uh, someone from my club, Howard Owen, who's just run a stupid race in Siberia, and I just needed to know about it. So I was scrolling through Strava, as you do, and I spotted that you'd run a marathon, and the map I saw was just blue, and I saw it was the Lake Baikal Marathon. Now, as I happen to know, that is the deepest lake in the world, and it's in Siberia, and I was just fascinated by this, and so I had to know why on earth you did it so first of all how did you even come across this as a thing right now i'm very impressed with your knowledge on it by carl i've seen the documentary with the seal so you know yeah yeah and as your researcher told you it contains 22 percent of the world's fresh water making it the largest lake in the world thank you howard (laughs) you're welcome so this uh, marathon obviously siberia being such a cold place uh, that lake freezes every winter, mm-hmm. uh, leaving that marathon to be regarded as one of the top 10 hardest marathons in the world, um, despite the fact that it's completely flat because um, it's just frozen water. It is brutal. Um, <laughs> I, I wasn't prepared for it to be as hard as it was. No. Um, the fact that it's classed as being such a difficult marathon sort of obviously attracted me to it because why wouldn't you want to do that um yeah it seems to be the kind of thing that you do i kind of you kind of go off the radar for a little bit and then you kind of pop back we're having run a marathon in the alps or something yeah exactly it's the best kind of running um (laughs) preparation and then just do a big one yeah that was the main reason then you just spotted that it was a really hard one and you thought yeah i'll give that a go yeah because i knew about it about a decade ago I first sort of it was first on my radar and thought it looks epic but probably beyond me um so this year I'm going to hit the big 4-0 so figured midlife crisis I need to do something big it was yeah. the perfect marathon exactly yeah so what were conditions like on the day and even like how did you even get there that surely must have taken days to even get there yeah, it's a bit of a nightmare to get to. It's really, really remote, um, middle of nowhere. So you've got to fly to Moscow and then connect to a flight from Moscow to Siberia, which takes seven hours and it's on a tiny plane and it's really cramped. So you're not getting there in the best of condition. Um, then you've got this bus ride to the middle of nowhere to this tiny village, which is full of wooden huts and cabins. Um, it's like back in time um and that's then where the run leaves from uh, there's no expo so, then I, I gather for this no expo there's just um like a, a briefing the night the day before mm-hmm. we have to confirm you you're not going to die when you're running it mm-hmm. um that you're going to follow these flags which are hammered into the ice um, and not do anything stupid um which i tried my best to do that is quite difficult mind um for me but I didn't do anything that stupid, and I'm still uh, still alive. So what was uh, it like on the day? The day itself, the weather was minus 18, which isn't oh. too bad. Oh, no, uh, no. Okay. Not that bad, because it can get up to minus 30 for the run. Yeah. Um, but minus 18, we were temperature-wise pretty good. Um, but what was quite difficult this year is they've had heavier snowfall than they had in any previous year. Mm-hmm. So it was whiteout conditions. So you, 
it was featureless and barren. So ordinarily, when you're running a marathon, you can sort of gauge how fast you're going because the train is passing and you've got something in the distance to focus on. And then, you know, how are you progressing towards that? But this was just white for oh. five hours. Everything was white. <laughs> so the ground was white, the sky was white, everything was white. It was so bitingly cold with the wind. Obviously, you layered up. So my core, etc., felt fine, but my face was, it didn't feel like it was, it was real. Um, everything, was just, everything was just tingling and hurting. Um, the terrain itself for the run was so slow going because of the snow. Yeah. Um, snow than they've had before. So with the temperatures being as low as they are, the top of the snow freezes over. So you're running and then all of a sudden you'll sort of sink through it up to your knees and then you're trudging on again and then you've hit a sort of um, a packed, like sort of compacted ice patch mm. which you're running sort of okay on and then you'll sink again. So there was just no way of getting any momentum. It was it was brutal. <laughs> <laughs> that does sound awful. Five hours, is that a personal worst for you of a marathon? That is my slowest ever marathon by some margin. Wow, so I, did, uh, I did Snowden back last year and did 3.37 in that. Mm-hmm. And that's classed as tough marathon being so hilly. Yeah. So I went into by car thinking, right, okay, no idea what I'm going to do. I've never run on ice before. So maybe sub four hours could be all right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's flat. It's a PB course. It's flat, exactly. <laughs> um, I went out, just did a 5K on the day before it and looking to get sort of sub nine minute mile pacing impossible even for a 5k um not possible so looking at my watch thinking how, how is it possible to run this slow on the flat um but it is it is yeah well the thing is there'll be plenty of people listening who'll be swearing at you because you've run that quicker than their marathon and a nine minute mile pace is, is still what they're aiming for in normal conditions so you still want yeah. the confidence from that I get that. And it, running's all relative, isn't it? This pace-wise, you know, the, I appreciate there's people faster than me, there's people slower than me, so all anyone looks at is sort of what's reasonable pace for them. Um, yeah. So I was looking at what would be reasonable for me um, on the flat, and the fact that it was just ice and snow and yeah. minus 18 and whiteouts and blizzards meant it was the hardest run I've ever done, but also I think the best. You know, like I mean, sometimes you say you sort of switch off and miles and hours can pass and you don't you're not really conscious that you've been thinking of anything. Mm. But this just throughout all five hours I was just aware of where I was. I like the fact that you were really aware in this one of where you were and what was going on and there was literally nothing to look at or be aware of. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what was the post race swag like? Medal, T shirt? Any, like, uh, flies for a local garage or anything like that? Yeah, not not a huge amount. I've got a T-shirt. Um, we would do to have a medal, but Russia closed its borders with China because of the yeah. virus. Um, so I've just had an email off them to say the medals have finally arrived, and now they're going to post them out to this. Okay. So um, who, know, who knows what that medal's going to look like? <laughs> it, could be, it could be anything, yeah. It could be... I'm just what I can imagine. It could be like a massively spectacular medal, or it could be like one of those little kind of sports day ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Sort of um, 
plastic sort of gold colored ones yeah with a seal on it or something okay amazing yeah. have you got anything else uh, lined up anything else ridiculous then for this big four row year i have yes um please do ask to I've are you got... at liberty to say <laughs> i am at liberty to say i i'm really concerned about it because i've not been doing a huge amount of training lately but um i've entered a hundred mile ultra in may yeah i've done 50s before which are kind of all right but um a hundred is i gather quite a step up yeah so, probably uh, yeah so I, I don't know i've still got a few niggles my knee's not 100 percent. you know you can expect these sort of things getting older but yeah. um yeah, to do a hundred miler on on poor training and carrying a few niggles, I think is probably a daft idea. But, yeah, um, but when has that ever stopped you? Exactly, exactly. You shouldn't. Yeah. If you want to do something daft, then do it. I, I, well, I'll leave that as your advice, and I'll caveat that, and I am not attaching my name to that at all. Yeah, top tip there. <laughs> well, thank you very much for talking to us, Howard. Look forward to hearing about the hundred miler. Perfect. Thank you. So, Holly, does a list of the top 10 hardest marathons appeal to you in any way? No, no. not really. Um, it's the temperature thing, I think. Yeah, that's They always tough. have to be too cold or too hot. If it was just like a nice temperature and really far, I think I'd be all right with that. Yeah. But I'm not into extreme temperatures. It's the extreme temperature and like yeah. the multi-day thing as well. It starts Where it starts getting really difficult as well. It's a whole different thing. Even that would be all right if it's like... 20 degrees, nice breeze, no rain. That'd be fine. If, so if anyone knows there's some perfectly moderately weathered but very difficult courses, yeah. you're all over that. Wasn't there snow up to his... What? Snow eyes. up to his knees. Knees. Eyes. I, I didn't say eyes. They're <laughs> <laughs> just swimming through the snow. Uh, so what you got coming up next? Um, nothing in particular in the next few weeks. It's just carrying on with marathon training. I've got, uh, I think, 16 miles next week and then potentially 22 miles the next week. And I think we're recording again after that 22 miles. So hopefully I'll be in even worse condition after that. So I've got something to complain about. I mean, I've got the um, nice kind of running hangover headache at the moment. Mm. I mean, I stopped running about uh, six or seven hours ago. I've eaten, I've drunk loads of stuff. Still kind of feel like shit. I do as well. I only did a 10k. I only did a 10k, I God's know. sake. Uh, <laughs> I, I spent four hours on a public transport though oh yeah that's pretty bad <laughs> I, I can ask what's up next for you but it's basically exactly the same as what i'm doing isn't it yeah i just copy you yeah that is your training plan yeah um do you want to pretend you're amy and uh, say what you've got coming up next um yeah so um i'll just be building up my mileage yeah yeah okay cool excellent <laughs> <laughs> if you want to get in touch with us you can tweet us at running is bs you can facebook running is bullshit and you can email running is bull at gmail.com don't forget to check out our merch on spreadshirt and donate to support the podcast on patreon just like the following thanks to jonathan chris charlie angela ben harry steph matt h matt j matt c francis john morwenna liz and rich thank you very much and we will speak to you in a couple of weeks see ya You're not gross enough, that's your problem.